Um, I'm in an apartment complex in the district, and what I'm seeing here is, is bothering me a lot. You know, there's a playground here, a pool area, and a basketball court that's pretty much obsolete. Nowhere for the kids to play, no pool, no activities going on in this community. But what we have behind me is a surveillance camera. It's kind of the, the, the criminalization of our people. Now, is there problems here? Yes. But I really need someone to explain to me why this type of stuff continues and no one is doing anything about it. On the wake up. Live from FEMA Region 2, back at it one more again for the most dangerous two hours in radio on the wake up with your host this evening, your brother Cam Kazi the Cutlass. Shout out to my co-host, my brother John, the Masonic Marine from the Truth Booth Podcast. Shout out to super producer Cindy Ashby for bringing this all together. Shout out to the whole On the Wake Up Radio family and shout out to you, the listener of the On the Wake Up Radio Army. Tonight... Special night. We're having an interview tonight with um, U.S. congressional candidate Shelly Fain. This will be exclusively on our website, on thewakeupradio.com. That is the only place you will be able to listen to it. So if you're tuning in on the Instagram Live, I suggest you go over on to uh, onthewakeupradio.com and check that out. You can check out our archive shows at the SoundCloud Stitcher, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Big shout out to FEMA Administrator Deanne Criswell. De Deanne, we see you. Thanks for keeping the lights on. How y'all doing this evening? You know how we do warming up the mic to get it started. Like I said, we're going to have a special program this evening. So, you know what to do, get out your pens, papers, notebooks, textbook, edit, whatever you whatever you have to write some notes down because I'm, I have a feeling we're in for an um, interesting conversation and we should learn some good information tonight. You know, a lot of times on this program and on this network, we talk about politics and holding politicians accountable, you know, for their actions and, and you know, kind of holding their feet to the fire. And it is rare that we get the opportunity to actually speak, speak with someone who's willing to put their money where their mouth is. And, you know, anytime we have a politician or a candidate in the House, we, we definitely want to um, ask them the, the pertinent questions and, and, and you know, and, and hope that we can hold them accountable and then hear what they have to say. Because in these times, I mean, we're so used to getting <laughs> screwed over by these politicians <laughs> and these big money interests that we don't know who to trust in these times. And so, like I said, if you are tuning in on the IG live, definitely go over to onthewakeupradio.com because you do not want to miss this interview. We have... U.S. Congressional Candidate Shelly Fain in the house this evening, and we're going to chop it up about some stuff, see what she has to tell us, see what she has to deliver to the people, and how she's going to differentiate herself from the others. 
so one thing while we're um you know before we begin this conversation this evening you know i have to have my book selection here folks so i'll most likely be referencing the hydra of carnage from craig b hewlett and his other book corporatism and empire a philosophy of fascism postmodernity is problematic these are two books that you should have in your library these aren't the type of books that you read from beginning to end. These are the type of books that you open it up somewhere, start to read, and try to figure out what the heck is going on in this crazy world. Because there are too many moving pieces at any given time. And, you know, not to go too far left with the conversation, but uh, oftentimes we see things happen you know we, we we need to look at things from a geopolitical perspective because a lot of times we'll see an event occur and you can't just look at it from one angle and say this happened for this one reason because that's not necessarily how it works there's a whole lot of moving parts going on and so in order to grasp or have a better idea of what's going on you kind of have to step back and look at the bigger picture one thing that um I'm constantly reminded is that international politics or foreign policy dictates national policy or local policy. So if we're not looking at it from that perspective, then a lot of times it can be difficult for us to, you know, grasp what's going on. That's, you know, neither here nor there. That's just something to kind of keep in the back of your mind right now. Uh, Ms. Bain, are you, are you there? Yes, I am. Thank you very uh, much for having me. <laughs> good evening. Good evening. So, how do you, how do you want me to call you, Miss Fane, Shelly? Um, whatever you choose, it's fine. Okay, okay, we'll go with Miss Fane. Um, how you doing this evening? It's Brother Cam. It's nice to meet you. Finally, it's nice to meet you as well. I'm doing pretty well. Yeah. So, just want to um let the audience know again. This is being broadcast exclusively on onthewakeupradio.com. And I think it's on, are you streaming it on your page as well? Yes, yes. On on website. So what's your website? Urbancountryfilms.com is the okay. website. So this is being streamed on onthewakeupradio.com and urbancountryfilms.com as well. Those are the only two places that you can hear this interview right now. If you're tuning in on the IG live, on the Instagram live, Go to one of those two websites so that you can listen to the full conversation with Ms. Shelly Fain. Thank you. Welcome to On the Wake Up. Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me this evening. Yeah. So, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Who are you? Well, first and foremost, I was born and raised in Miami, Florida. A um, couple of years ago, I moved further up north to a city called Fort Lauderdale. Uh, I am a mother, a wife, a mother of six in total <laughs> between my husband and I. Um, we have six children in total. Okay, okay, <laughs> Mother Earth, Father Earth, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, so for the most part, um, growing up, I've, I've always had an interest in politics. I, I attended my first town hall meeting with my mom at 14. Uh, she was heavily into politics as well, but I never pursued politics as a career. I've always had an interest in helping my community. And, um, you know, for one reason or the other, I never became a politician per se. 
but I am a humanitarian at heart. And I always knew that I would be in a position to do something for my people. And obviously when I say my people, I do mean black people. So um, I wanna say a couple of weeks ago, probably about a month ago, I was introduced to the Mahali party, which is a brand new political party. Yes, and, okay. <laughs> hey, talk to me. <laughs> and um, they, they first spoke to my husband, um, Andre, and they asked him if he would help them out with finding a candidate in Florida. So he came to me and he talked to me about it. And initially I said, no, <laughs> I said no initially because like many people, I really didn't, um, you know, see where politics was going and kind of tired of the same old, same old. So when he broke it down to me what the party was about, it was a black independence party. A lot of their ideology aligned with mine. I was like, okay, well, you know, I wasn't really planning politics as a means to, to help our community, but I did feel like it was a, a way for me to make a big difference in, rel in a relatively short amount of time. Politics would be an avenue for me, me to be able to do what I was already planning to do. So I spoke with JL, um, the assistant party chair. He explained to me more about what the party wanted to do and pretty much the rest was history from there. And um, it pretty much gave me hope again for where mm. politics could go and what we could do as a community of people if we came together under a common goal to uplift our people. Um, so that's pretty much how I got started in this. And um, I'm here right now. I'm here, I'm looking forward to doing a lot of great things for our community. Okay, so first off, what is the Mahali party? How do you spell that first? How do you spell Mahali party? That is M-A-H-A-L-I. Okay. I believe that's the correct spelling of it. And what is the Mahali party? Well, the Mahali party is a black pro-independence party, meaning that all in all, what their ultimate goal is, is to um, form a nation for our people. And they're looking to do that in three different states throughout the country, which is Alabama, Mississippi, and Louisiana. Mm. Now, Mahali um, means the land. Our ancestors mm. always dreamed of a promised land. And those three places are the places that they um, deem would be their promised land. So that's the inspiration behind the name of the party. Now, the party, in a nutshell, has two... Um, two driving things that they're focusing on right now, which is eradicating poverty for our people and creating safe cities where we will mm. ultimately, yeah, we will ultimately be in complete control of the government in those three states, meaning we will run things from top to bottom, policing and pretty much form our own independent government in those three places. Ooh, I like this. I like this a lot. Okay, so I just want to get this right. Uh, you said Alabama, Mississippi, and Louisiana. 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 Mm -hmm. Okay, I just want to make sure. So the Mahali Party, a black pro-independence party to form a nation for our people. Yes. There's, there's something. Have you heard of the state of Jefferson? No, I'm not familiar. 
the state of Jefferson is an interesting phenomenon because it's in California and the state of Jefferson, it's, it's, um, basically everything north of Placer County, California is pretty much on board with the state of Jefferson where they have their own flag. They have, um, they have, uh, what do you call it? Each county is kind of on board. Like in theory, they'd like to separate from California because they, the rest of the state doesn't really represent them. I, I always tell people that outside of the major cities in California, it's pretty much Virginia everywhere. And so north of, north of, of Placer County, which is north of Sacramento, they want to become their own state. They have their own agriculture. That's where all the water is. They're interested, you know, they're pro-Second Amendment. And they, like I said, they're more like a Virginia, like the old Virginia, red Virginia. Okay. <laughs> right, right. The old Virginia, I should say. And the way that they're doing it is really the people are just on board with it. And so even if they haven't been able to separate from California or declare themselves a state, the demographic and the people that are moving to that area are in alignment with that philosophy. And that's what makes them kind of strong. Just purely that. They're not asking for anything. They don't want anything. They're elected officials. They elect people into positions of power who they feel represent them mm -hmm. in those areas in each county, doing it county by county. And basically, it seems like if people don't like it, then they get out. Um, yeah, <laughs> that is very much similar to the Mahali party. Um, they are using voting and, and different legislative actions in order to do it. But that's basically the premise behind it. They're, the Mahali party does have their own flag. And um, there's a lot of focus on our on us basically governing ourselves, having our own our own food supply, our own policing, our own economic structure. So yeah, it's it's pretty much in alignment with that ideology. Mm, right. And it seems like that's the natural course of action to be taken when you're dealing, you know, when you're dealing with American politics, because I think when it comes to and you could, you know, stop me at any moment, but it seems like through the history of our people in this country, we've been doing a lot of asking and begging and pleading. It hasn't really gotten us very far. Correct. But if we kind of put ourselves in the positions where we can now speak with our dollars and we can, you know, vote with our feet, then I feel that's when we'll really start to get some things done in this country for ourselves. Right. I absolutely agree with that. And that's one of the things that really did attract me to the Mahali party is that they weren't waiting for other political parties that, you know, for several decades now have been, I won't say promising our community um, different things, but just basically giving the idea that there was something coming down the line for us, but never really materializing anything for us. And, um, you know, the whole concept of if we just vote for these people, that they're going to do something for us. But, you know, election after election, we, we haven't seen anything change for us. So I really was intrigued by the idea of us forming our own political uh, party to gain political power. 
because um, for a long time, we just haven't been voting in our best interests. And mm. a lot of politicians have been afraid to come out and say that I have a black agenda. I have an agenda for black people who are largely disenfranchised in this country. It's something that mm. no one wants to touch. You know, a lot of people shy away from it. They get scared. They feel like, um, you know, it's something that I won't say they don't feel it's useful, but they feel like if they want to have a career in politics that they shouldn't touch it. But I think it's way past due that someone have the courage to step up and say, I'm going to do something for the community of people that the country is largely ignoring. And then for the people to get behind that and put some political power behind it. Mm. Yes. Yes. I, I live in New York City and here I see you have Asian politicians who, you know, they work towards a largely Asian agenda. You know, mm -hmm. let's say it's a Chinese politician. They make sure that there are Chinese jobs, that Chinese are being treated fairly, that they have their rights, that they're not being harassed by police, you know. Um, we have a large Jewish population, same thing with the Jewish population. They advocate for themselves. They have their yeshiva schools, their school buses, whole communities and resources in those communities to support their people. They have their own supermarkets. They are large property owners. And nobody seems to have a problem with that. No, the, I, I honestly feel that the reason that there's such an issue with um, black people saying that they're going to begin to do the same thing for their community is because, um, you know, quiet as it's kept, a lot of communities eat off of our community mm. and they, they eat off of um, the fact that, you know, and we have to take some accountability for this as well that we are not mobilizing in the ways that we should be. Like you said, every other community looks out for itself first. It doesn't mean that it hates another community. It doesn't mean that you know uh, other communities are excluded from doing business with them. It just simply means that they are gonna take care of their community first. And it's funny that you mentioned the Jewish community because I was watching a piece on the Jewish community earlier and they were talking about how the Jewish community has so much financial and political power in this country and their population really isn't that big. But the way that they do it is by having an actual community where all of their dealings are with other Jewish people. Mm. And, you know, I really would like to encourage our community to explore how that works out for other communities because first and foremost, they don't apologize for doing that. They don't right. apologize for taking care of their, their own first. Right. And they don't allow anyone to shame them into not doing it. It's common practice. But I think that sometimes, um, you know, us not wanting to be like, I, I heard someone say, we don't want to do to others what they do to us. We don't want to be like them. And my thing is, how has that worked out for us? <laughs> you know, that hasn't worked out for us very well. You know, not, not putting ourselves first is, is counterproductive to not put your community first. So that's one of the things that I am heavily focused on, encouraging our people to understand the benefit of being an actual community. Mm. 
Wow, there's so much to say about that. So one thing I'm constantly saying to my clients, I'm a massage therapist. One thing I constantly say to my clients is I give the example of you've been on an airplane, right, sister? Yes. Been on an airplane. When the mask, when they're giving the demonstration about the mask, what do they always tell us? They always tell us to make sure our mask is secured first. <laughs> exactly. If you have a small child, make sure you put your own mask on first. If you were a pat, if you try to put the mask on the child and you're passed out, <laughs> you're not doing anything for anybody. Okay. And that that's just that's the message that I want to send to our people. Like, no, we have to take care of ourselves first. We want to jump on everybody else's bandwagon, but we don't want to jump on our own band bandwagon. As mm -hmm. if we're, we're incapable of doing it. We're not incapable. I, I heard an interview with um uh, Alton Maddox, the uh, former attorney Alton Maddox. He said black people aren't poor, we're poorly organized. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with that more. And, you know, there's various reasons for that. But all in all, that is really what it's going to take to move us forward. Because, you know, no matter what it is that we're trying to do, if we can't get organized around common goals, then we're going to continue to see that rift in our communities where it just seems like we can't really come together and get things going. But I know that we can. I really honestly feel like it takes the proper education in order for us to do that. And I don't mean education in the sense of, of a degree or a diploma. I mean, educating ourselves on the importance of developing businesses, businesses in our community, educating ourselves on the importance of just all around having a community environment and understanding that. Right now, we're largely living in neighborhoods and not so much communities, and there mm -hmm. is a difference. Yeah. We're neighbors, we live with each other, but there's not a lot of focus on putting the elements in place of an actual community. And a lot of that starts with um, pretty much controlling the, the infrastructure of our community. So that's one mm -hmm. thing that I feel that we have to, to educate ourselves on because other communities, they have a knowledge of that. And we see how they're just, they're far ahead of us in certain aspects. And I think that once we grasp that concept, that the power of a real community is what makes the big difference is when we're gonna start to see those changes occur. Right, I, I agree. And <clears throat> one thing that I, I constantly think to myself is I feel like we need, okay, look at other nations, right? Look at other people's, I'll, I'll go to the Chinese. The Chinese do 100 year plans, at least. They look 100 years out, say, where do we wanna be in 100 years? Same thing again with the Jewish community. They say, what are we gonna do in 100 years? If I plant this seed today, I may not get to taste the fruit of this tree, but my grandchildren surely will. Mm -hmm. you know? That's the way that they plan. We don't plan that way. America definitely doesn't plan that way. America plans, they do it every four years. <laughs> yeah. They do four years. So they're out, of the, they're out of the question. We can't even look at them as a model. But look at the, let some of these other peoples who do the 100-year plan. I feel like even to start this off, we maybe need to come up with a collective 10-year plan. 
like it's just a 10 year plan and say, where do we want to be? How do we get to this point? Because the type of education that you're talking about, I'll put it like this. I feel like if we were on the level where we could create a 10 year plan, it would probably happen a lot faster than 10 years. But it would be good to give ourselves a benchmark for the type of education that we would want to see across the board in order to take just one step forward. Right. I, I agree with that. And um, the Mahali Party has an eight year plan actually okay. to, yeah, <laughs> to, to reach that, um, that point of having those independent um, states within the country where there is complete control over those states as in the form of their own government. Mm. So, uh, yeah, so eight years um, in, okay. the, in the future, they want to have all of those things in place where we are policing ourselves, we have our own economy, and we're pretty much controlling every aspect of our own destiny. And I feel like that is extremely important because, you know, we really can't expect others to do for us what we would like to see happen for ourselves. I think it's kind of naive to think that they would have our best interests at hand. Um, you right. know, you would, you would like to live in a world where that was the case, but it's really not the case. And, you know, as long as we continue to allow people to make us feel like this is some, some type of rainbow coalition and everybody can, can get ahead together we see what the results of that is. You know, when we, we, we get in line for resources to be distributed, we always get, you know, whatever scrappings are right. left over after everyone else gets what they, they came to get. Right. And we simply just cannot settle for that anymore. Okay. So, oh, that's, I'm so glad to hear. I did not know about that eight year plan. So that's great. That's even better than what I'm talking about. Yeah, they ultimately, within that eight-year time frame, they want to have succeeded from the U.S. to form those those nation states. Ooh, wow! Yeah, so, <laughs> that that's heavy. That that's a that's saying a lot, sister. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it is. And when people hear it, they're like, "Wow, um, that seems like a, a big task." But um, it's really, to me personally, I don't think that it's that hard of a task as people feel like it's going to be. But we're definitely going to have to have complete control of the political structure within those, those states. And obviously, we're going to have to have mechanisms in place to protect what we build, because that's another part of it. Uh, people get a little bit scared. They say, yeah. you know how it is when we build something people want to come in and tear it down. But the one thing that I'm encouraging people to do is to not live in fear of what mm -hmm. others may do to us. We have to get the ball rolling at some point because we're going to lose time and we're going to be sitting here 30, 40 years from now, still, you know, trying to get the ball rolling because we're, we're worried about what could happen, but we're not doing, you know, and creating the things that we need. Right. Right. And um, anything that's created, especially to that extent, it needs to be defended. So that goes without saying, you know, mm -hmm. um, and you're talking about having our own police force. Um, well, it, it, being that we're in this nation, we have sheriffs, 
and sheriffs can deputize every member of their county as basically a militia against anybody who would want to do harm to that county. Correct. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that that kind of goes without saying. I would hope so with this because it's, it's true, you know, and we look at history. If we look at history, then we see, yes, that so many there have been so many black Wall Streets all over this country. It's not it wasn't just Tulsa, Oklahoma. It wasn't just Rosewood. It wasn't just Durham, North Carolina. There have been so many that have been destroyed, systematically destroyed at that. And so to to have something like to have something like what what you're talking about with the Mahali party, I think it, I think it's being created. I don't know, but I, I believe it's being created with the understanding that it also has to be defended. Absolutely. Um, Correct. I I think that um, if I may say, I think that was one of the issues with a lot of the um, towns and structures that we built before. We were rendered kind of defenseless against forces that came against us because there wasn't a whole lot of focus on defending what had been built. So that's one of the things that is definitely a focus of the party is making sure that we can protect ourselves once we begin to to build these um, these nation states, because we are aware of the fact that even though we're minding our business and we're not bothering anyone, that there is the possibility that people may want to attack us. And, you know, it's something that if it doesn't happen, that's awesome. But mm-hmm. we can't be naive to the fact that, you know, people by and large, sometimes people just don't want to see us succeed. They feel threatened by our success because they know for so long that we've been feeding a lot of communities in this country while our communities have been suffering. Right. And uh, sister, I'm glad you keep hitting on that point too. The fact that we've, our communities or our neighborhoods have been feeding so many other communities because, you know, I think that's a point to be driven home too. When we talk about motivation, because it's hard for us to really comprehend why anybody would want to do the things that they they've done to us historically and it's not to play the victim role but any student of history especially american history any true student knows the atrocities that have been done under the name of expansion progress whatever they want to call it in the end of the day it's you know it's genocidal i call it ge- genocidal maniacs that's just you know because i've read too much it i know too much history to, to call it anything different than that so it's not to play a victim role but it's to it's to be able to move forward with intelligence and the understanding of history there's no point in reading history and learning history if you're not gonna learn from it and do better Absolutely. in the future mm-hmm. You know, so, okay, dealing with genocidal maniacs, and uh, I don't necessarily know why they've done that, but I like the way that you're putting it. Yes, a lot of communities have thrived off of our community. You know, I look at, um, I always say, like, if you look at the the Chinese stores out here, you look at the corner stores, the Arab-run corner stores out here, and you realize that, that... our, our people have literally put a lot of children through college. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? A lot of Korean children, a lot of Chinese children, a lot of Arab children have gone to college, you know, been 
gifted houses in real estate by their parents just off of the stores and the wares that they had in our communities. Oh, yes. Don't forget the uh, nail salons, the beauty supply stores. <laughs> oh. But, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because um, here in my district in South Florida, District 20, uh, there is, I spoke to a gentleman today, a black man, and he said that he wants to open a clothing store right, right in the community that I'm in. And right now, what is happening is that we're seeing massive gentrification going on in black areas. Mm -hmm. So right now, the government is literally giving out grants to people to come into the communities where we dwell and start businesses. A lot of people within, wow. yeah. A lot of people within our community, they're not even aware of these grants. Um, the reason that he became aware of it is because he wanted to open a business on that block and he was looking into some funding to get his business going. And he said that it's staggering the amount of people, you know, of our people that don't know about the grant programs where they can get hundreds of thousands of dollars to open businesses. And these are the things. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. But that's the thing. Um, education. That's why education is so important. Uh, knowing what's out there for you uh, in order to open businesses. But, you know, it's by design that they're not telling us that because right. they want the, the, you know, the people that don't live in our communities to come in and continue to be able to drain the resources out of our community, drain our pockets and build up businesses to take that money back to their communities and uplift their families and their community. And again, that's something that we are going to have to educate ourselves on because we can't uh, continue to allow that to happen. I honestly feel like it's um, it's soft genocide is what I call it. You know, right. they just continue to starve us out until we're in a position where we can't do anything for ourselves. Right. Completely. I like that. I like that terminology, uh, soft genocide. You know, they, they want to gently put our people into the ground without too much of a fuss. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> you're not just going to get us in the cattle carts like that. You got to put something in that cattle cart that the people want. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you got to put some cushions in there. Maybe. <laughs> did, did you ever see, did you ever see this show? What was it? It was a, I don't know what, it was a George, George Clinton thing called Cosmic Slop. Did you ever see that? No, I'm not familiar with that show. Yeah, it was oh, it was from like the 90s, but there was one episode of it. I think it was a mini series or something, but it was one episode of it where aliens came down and they said, basically, give us, game to the American government, say, give us all your people with melanin. And, you know, they had to figure out what's melanin. Wow. Realized, yeah, it was basically everybody who was darker than a paper bag. They wanted them. They didn't say what it was for. They said they give you you give us them and we will clean your waters. We will, you know, <laughs> all this stuff. We will completely transform your earth. We just want your melanated people. So there was a referendum and they had to vote on it. And you know, you, you know what the, the vote turned it out to be. <laughs> but <laughs> this, oh my god. When I tell you. They were trying to come up with all kind of ways to convince people to get onto the ships. And, and one of the brother, Barbara, you said, I hope they have Remy Martin on there. 
like I said, they're gonna nice up the cattle cars. They gotta put, you know, some flat. They gotta put plush seating on there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They're not um, just gonna get us on there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a very insidious process that is happening right up under our noses, and you know that's one of the reasons why I'm in this because. I personally cannot sit back and continue to see this happening. You know, I, I look ahead in the future. And one of the things that stuck out to me was an article that I read that said by the year 2053, I believe it is, they are predicting that the wealth in the black, wealth in the black community will be almost non-existent if we continue down the path that we're going. So a lot of people are anticipating our downfall and we are the only ones that can turn that around. And we're gonna have to roll up our sleeves and get to work and support individuals that are willing to challenge the status quo up in DC. Because like I was saying before, a lot of these politicians, they have absolutely no plans for the black community and we contribute to right. this society. So we should not be ignored and we should not be left out of the conversation when it comes to how the money is going to be allocated. I see a lot of things that's going on in my district here, down here in South Florida and District 20, that it really, it really hurts me and it makes me cringe um, that after all this time we've had, and I'm just going to call it like it is, we've had Democrat leadership within the district and you don't really see where the people are benefiting from that. You know, there's rampant drug use, there's crime. There's a lot of people that's suffering from mental illness. Uh, the school systems are not up to par. It, it, there's just a lot of things that are happening. And it's like, right. well, if these people are in the position to, to do something for their district, why is it that we're not seeing too much change, especially right. in areas where people are deemed to be the undesirables, I should say, you know, what, who's coming to help them. And I, I just take issue with that. I have a problem with people feeling like because someone is from a certain area or grew up a certain way that they, that they don't deserve to live a decent quality of life. I, I don't agree with that. Right. Right. Okay, hold on one second. I'm going to go grab a book. Hold on one second, please. No problem. Okay, everyone, uh, really quickly, I just want to put my website out there, which is electshelly.com. That's S-H-E-L-L-E-Y.com, electshelly.com. All right, I'm back. So are you familiar with um, Claude Anderson's book, Powernomics? Yes, I am. Okay. Um, that one's in my cart, actually, to purchase, but I've seen him do several interviews on that book. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not I'm going to keep it. I haven't read it yet, <laughs> but I have it here. Mm -hmm. But I'm looking for the steps. Economic step number one, create an alternative economy within black communities. Mm -hmm. Right. right. Um, economic step number two, dominate business ownership and management where black people are the majority consumer population. So it's like these are steps that are very, they can be very easily done if we just shift a couple things, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Economic action step number three, focus on wealth building and restoring the economic intent of the original civil rights laws. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then there's like whole pages after each one of these. I'm just reading the excerpts right now. Okay. 
You know something? I was listening to a Claude Anderson interview, and what I'm about to say may be a tad bit controversial. Go ahead, sister. But we're going to have to deal with the gatekeepers um, in our mm. community. Yes. Because a lot of the, a lot of times we don't even have to, um, you know, worry about outside forces working against us. Because if we're going to be honest, some of our own people work against us, mm -hmm. and those are the gatekeepers. I remember uh, listening to an interview with Claude Anderson, and he was saying up in Detroit he wanted to start a black business district. Mm. And it yes, and it was people in the city council government that were black that was telling him that he was racist mm. for wanting to do that. And my thing of it is is that we are going to have to be in a position to challenge our own people and understand that everyone who looks like us is not for us. And it could be for various reasons. It could be because they're right. getting paid very well to stop us from having these certain things. Right. But all in all, we're going to have to be prepared to vote those people out and get people in place that really does have our best interests at hand, because there's absolutely no reason to me why anyone of our race should do something like that, but that's right. a very real reality within Sister, our Sister, we will have to vote them out. We will have to chase them out of town in <laughs> some situation. Literally chase them out of town. I mean, make it so uncomfortable for them to be in that environment right. because they're always, I mean, if you look at so many um, uprisings that have occurred in this country, and just all over the diaspora, Mm -hmm. So many of them have got, have failed because of the black informant, because of that Negro that loved his master a little too much, <laughs> because of the Negro that had that white man living in his brain or her brain <laughs> and turned against their own people. You're absolutely right. Um, that's something that that we we're going to have to get realistic about. Because um, if we do stand to be able to build something and protect it, we're going to have to be able to trust each other. And, you know, the way that we do that is, is filtering it out, filtering people out. Everybody right. doesn't, everyone doesn't want to go. And that's right. fine. We have to um, continue to encourage those that want change to continue to strive for it because one thing about it is, is that nothing remains the same. And I think that we what we have to do is we have to understand that anything that we've ever wanted to do, we've had to fight for it. And there's no reason to stop now until the ultimate goal is reached, which in this instance is independence and self-governance. So right. we're going to have to continue to strive for it. Right. And... You know, it's like we have to have a serious vetting process mm -hmm. when it comes to that. Um, I want to see if I can find one of my people. He um, he actually founded the Indigenous Business Association, a product of the ACP, the Association for College Proactivists. And I just want to read this real quick. It says the... Um, the Indigenous Business Association exists as a direct response to the economic plight of the indigenous person. Our goal is to revamp the commerce experience of the lower socioeconomic class by 
converging from consumerism to commercialism. So, you know, I, I've been a part of a, a, a part in, you know, kind of a building with this, um, this team for some years now. And the program that this brother, I got to shout out my man, Melon, Melon Butler, Melon, because he, he put together this program. And, you know, I helped put together this program. But ultimately, it, it was an educational program. But at the same time, it was a vetting program as well. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, it was for educating the people because you see how we get stuck on so many like, okay, are we black? Are we Negroes? Are we Africans? Are we African-Americans? Are we Native Americans? Are we, you know, space space niggas? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) we got, are we Cometans? You know what I'm saying? We got so many different names for us, but this was the program that he created. It was kind of a way even on that level, to say, okay, yes, we may be this, we may be that, we may be this, but we all have a, a common common objective, right. common history that we can agree upon, and there are certain things that need to be done to move forward. I can't tell you how many times I, I've been in groups of people that just got caught on the name. What do we call ourselves? At this point, it doesn't care what we call ourselves. Can we get free? yeah that's the that's the main focus of it and i wanted to just add something else as far as um the vetting process i think that as we go along and we begin to introduce different agendas we will start to see people weaning themselves out because Mm. one of the things uh especially with the mahali party is that uh once you break down the ideology of the party our people that, you know, are not in tune with that or don't align themselves with that, they back away. So we're like, okay, we don't have to worry about, you know, pulling anyone by the arm or trying to waste too much time trying to convince people. People will, you know, they will wean themselves out because again, like I said, everyone, unfortunately, everyone doesn't want this. And that is perfectly fine because we need people who are like-minded to begin to build. So that's mm. another that's another element of it as well. Right. I agree. I agree. And you know, I'm definitely gonna um put put him in a in contact with um with the Mahali party. Because for me, you know, like I said, I've been in this thing for a long time. For I, long enough, twenty years. I'm not that old, but twenty years I've mm-hmm. been over there putting in work on different levels. And I've come across a lot of groups, a lot of movements, a lot of individuals. And, you know, it can be tiring. But uh, honestly, the, the Indigenous Business Association, to me, is solid. And to me, it's like, if nothing else, as an educational tool. And there's a lot of room for growth when it comes to that. But that's like, I feel like that in the Mahali Party, like there should be some kind of, you know, crossover going on. And, and you know, when, once folks start to meet each other because that way it's like we don't have to reinvent the wheel in the end of the day right and it's like we we need more educators we need people who are educated we need people with some brand loyalty out here damn it (laughs) i agree 100 percent and um i was listening to a pot are you familiar with brother ben x yes i am I was listening to one of his podcasts and he was saying, we have to get into the habit of working with what we have right now Mm 
mm. and not waiting for this big grandiose thing to happen for everyone to say, okay, now is the time to move. Right. Because he was saying what we have to understand is even if we don't have the hospital right now, we have the people that can still care for our people and mm. they can do house calls. It's, it's small steps that we can take until we get to the bigger goal. And um, I completely agreed with him on that because, you know, sometimes we don't move because we feel like we don't have everything that we need. But in actuality, we do. And we, we have to start with what we have in order for us to, you know, to get to where we're trying to go. Mm, sister. Yes. And I think we can say that on the collective level and the individual level, too. Right. Because Absolutely. Isn't, it, isn't it so easy to get stuck Thinking yeah. that you need so much more. It was like, wait, but I have these skills here. I have these talents right here. Right? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. It goes for the large picture and the small picture. Yeah, that, that's one of the things that kind of stifles progress is when we get stuck on, you know, it's not exactly what I want it to be, so I'm going to wait, and I'm going to wait, and I'm going to wait until it's where I want it to be. And it's like, no. We can start now. We can utilize what resources we have now. And that's one of the things I'm actually looking to do in, in the district that I'll be representing here um, in South Florida. I'm looking to see where we are right now. What resources do we already have in the community that we can just put in the proper places? Because there is money there. The whole, uh, my whole thing is to find that money and figure out where it's going and redirect it back into the district. Because I strongly feel that, you know, the money that is allocated for this district is going into neighboring districts and not getting where it belongs, which is with our people. So, again, that's one of the things of starting with what we have and building from there and then getting legislation passed for us to fill whatever void there is that we need to fill. But we we have to get into the, the process of starting with what we have. Right. Right. So, okay. So let's go, let's go to district 20 now. Let's kind of, let's go to district 20 mm -hmm. for a moment. Okay. And really bring it uh, close to home for you right now. So what, what do you see in there? And I know it's probably not, you know, I know it's a lot of, we can relate to it in other places in this country. I have an idea. What's mm -hmm. going on over there that you see that you'd like to address? Well, actually there's, two things happen happening simultaneously that i'm seeing that's bothering me um for one in certain uh, certain communities or certain counties within the district we're seeing a lot of crime and those are the communities that are largely um more so of the poor communities mm -hmm. so we can see the correlation there with high crime and the poverty stricken communities. I, I honestly feel that those two things go hand in hand and mm -hmm. that's something that needs to be addressed. Now on the flip side of that, we're seeing in other areas of the district, more care is being given to those districts and those are the more upper middle-class areas. So we have a dynamic going on where the people that need the help the most are being ignored. And we're seeing these other areas in the district continue to build, develop and get better. And it's kind of like the politicians are ignoring the people that need the help the most. 
So that's something that is really bothering me. And with the and within those districts that are that are the hardest hit, there's a common theme there. For one, the funding isn't going where it needs to go. There's a lot of drug use within those communities. Like mm. I said, there's people suffering from mental illnesses. The policing in the community, um, you know, is is mm. terrible. The dynamics between the policing and the citizens is, um, you know, not in the correct place that it should be, in my opinion. We're dealing with a lot of um, no access to proper health care, not enough facilities within the community where people can go to meet the, the demands of their health issues. There's a lot of things that are going on that can be fixed, but we're seeing those areas that are the hardest hit being overlooked. And for me, that is um, an extreme issue. And one of the things that I'm looking to tackle first, getting the help where it's needed the most. Okay, so is there a way to pinpoint? Because let me ask you, is there, how is it that, that one, these communities or these other communities, the, these adjacent communities are able to get this funding? And then two, how is it that funding is even being taken from District 20 and being funneled to other districts? What kind of advocacy is going on maybe? Um, I honestly, I'm going to be honest about it. I think that because people are largely unaware that this is happening, there is no pushback against it. So again, I feel like people getting involved and leadership such as myself explaining to the people what is going on so that they can be aware that their communities are literally being robbed. Um, you see it happen all the time with, I'll say between the public education system and the charter schools, mm, the public okay. education system, the funds will be funneled out and put into these charter schools that they are um, putting on the outskirts of the district and not in the district. So you're mm -hmm. seeing a lot of things at play that, like I said, are very insidious. So if you're not focused on what is going on, it'll be missed because they're, they're not going to come right out and say, hey, this is what we're doing and your funding is going over here, or we're going to build this school and we're going to put it a few miles outside of the district. And, um, you know, like I said, it is imperative upon leadership to call these people out and let people mm -hmm. know that there is funding for your community, but um, the leadership that is in place, they are allowing other, they are allowing themselves to, um, for whatever the reasons may be. And, you know, I don't know the exact reasons why they're doing it, but they have the power to change this. And for whatever the reasons may be, they are allowing these people to do this to the community. So, like I said, I, I seriously feel like educating the people within the district on what is going on is going to be the first step to us getting that funding back into the community where it belongs. Mm. So are you able to um, gain audiences with a lot of people throughout your uh, district? Well, um, we, as far as for myself, I'm just getting started, but I have had an outpouring of support just coming from everywhere. You know, once I began to let people know what it is that I'm doing, 
um, just today we were out and the, and the support was overwhelming. People were so receptive mm. to what it is that we're, tr what we're looking to do for the district. And, you know, it, it was just overwhelming to me. It gave me a lot of inspiration to keep going because people want this. People really do want this. I've heard people say that they're sick and tired of the way things are going and they want a lot of these people out. So, um, mm, okay. Yeah, people are very receptive to to just new, fresh ideas coming in. Okay. Mr. Mr. Cutlass, Andre, yeah, John sure. Andre Johnson here, um, Shelly Fain's campaign manager. How are you, How sir? You good. How you doing, sir? Very good. Very good. I just wanted to touch on on on, on that a little bit. Yeah, as 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 um as Miss Fain mentioned, we just started the campaign, and mm -hmm. one of the things that we 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 very quickly saw. We can then we could definitely identify that these areas that have been overlooked, these people know that they've been overlooked. So okay. when they see they see this bit of hope inside of their community, which which they have not seen in forever, because the politicians in the area neglect this, you know. So it, there's no coming out. There's no going door to door because there, there, there feels like there's there's not a need you know because as long as as long as these people can say that that party name that they right. automatically have these votes for the past 50 years right and, and that's a that's a thing that I that that we really see is changing because when people hear that 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 Ms. Fain is independent you know they're really really gearing towards that that's good to hear. That that's great. So, how long has your um your campaign been going at this point? It's only been two weeks now. Okay. It's only been two weeks now. Okay. And okay. and honestly, honestly, we need all the support we can get, and we need we need support from all over the world. This is a win that all of us melanated people need to see happen. We right. need to see the small mother that is just just has the heart for her people we need to see her beat the two well oil machines you know we all as a people need to see the fact that if if we all come together behind an actual cause of of bringing real change you know real change that that change of the likes that we've never seen and we never you know we we've never seen in this country an eight-year plan to secede from the United States. Right. Right. And and, and this, this is not a hidden agenda. This is what we're doing. You know, this is this is so it's we're creating a huge ball, but just saying all of that to say we need all the support in the world. Please, everyone, please go to elect Shelly. That's Shelly with the EY, electshelly.com. And and whatever support you can you you can give, we need phone bank workers. We need people that's willing to um send out emails. We need donations. We need people that can make appointments. We need a lot of help. We need a lot of help and a lot of support. And all the people that can 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 help us to get there are here. Are you know right right within our communities, right within these podcasts, and you know because we're all hurting. That's the reason why we're all 
going away from the YouTubes and the, 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 the Instagrams and the fake, because we're all feeling right. the same pressure. Right. And, 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 you know, Mahali party brings hope. Shelley will be the first one elected to Congress out of 400. And I believe it's 430 something Congress members. I believe it's right. There is no independence, right? It's split half to half Democrats and Republicans. So this is a fight. This is not an easy task, but if anybody can do it, us melanated people, we can do it. Right. We're, that's what we do. That's what we do. And, and that's a good point right there. And, you know, this, I mean, th there's a few books I, I'd like you all to get to at some point. I mean, probably, you know, in the next few weeks, if you can, and we sure. can even talk about that, you know, uh, maybe, maybe offline or, or, or elsewhere. But yeah, you know, this is, um, this is really important what's going on right here. And, and just even the way, you know, Shelly laid it out, it, it's so, it's so plain. And like you said, it's out in the open. There's no secret or hidden agendas going on, but it's extremely bold. And it's what we need right now. We don't, we don't have time. Like these, these lying ass politicians, pardon my French, but that's what they are. And like you said, they're just banking on people, especially when it comes to to our, us melanated people. They're just banking on us. All the oh, Democratic ticket. I don't know who it is, but just click, click, click Democrat, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that a few times today. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah. Um, but 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 as um Dre was saying, people are very receptive to change at this moment in history. For so long, um, you know, people have, they voted and they feel cheated. They feel like I've been yes. voting all this time and I haven't seen anything come down the pipe for my community. And yes. that's something that, you know, we have to change. It's, it's not even a matter of a want anymore. We need for these things to happen because if they right. don't happen and happen soon, you know, I just I fret at the fact of, of what is going to become of us as a people if we don't take action now to change our conditions. And, you know, yes, right. there has been progress, but there is so much more that is needed to be done in order for us to be in a position that these issues are no longer an issue for us, because I always tell people what some of us perceive as a normal way of life is it's not normal, but because we've been living in it for so long, we just accept it as as our way of life. And no, we deserve so much better than what we have been getting from this country. And now more than ever, especially with this ball of energy that is out here with people ready to take action and fight for change, I think that that's something that we all need to take advantage of. Yes, yes, completely. And there's a lot of lot of work that needs to be done. There's a lot of healing that needs to be done as well. Because like you said, the, these lives we're living are not normal. You know, we're, live, we're dealing with imp impacted trauma, trauma mm. on top of trauma, generational trauma that we haven't had the, the luxury to sit back and address it. Let me tell you something. I, I lived in California for two years. I was in the country though in California, completely different from where I'm at now. And when I moved out there and I moved from New York city to country in California. And when I tell you 
it took me several months to decompress just from life <laughs> in New York. The mm. hustle and the bustle, the police and the stop and frisk, mm. all the stuff that comes with that type of environment. It took me literally months to decompress. And this is me, you know, I consider myself pretty conscious, pretty aware of what's going on in my mind and my body. And here I was in a completely different environment and I had to decompress. So imagine now our brothers and sisters who are out there who, who aren't even thinking like that, you know? Right. We're not, because I'm a, like I said, I'm a massage therapist. So, you know, I just, I naturally kind of am in tune with what's going on with my body because I'm dealing with my body and other people's bodies so much. But we have a lot of people who, who don't even realize that they need to decompress, that they're dealing with PTSD. You know, we we all need to go see a therapist at some point, but we need to be in the right environment where, okay, now I can finally, I can take a breath. You remember waiting to exhale, right? I've been waiting to exhale. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, I can breathe okay, but I'm waiting to exhale. <laughs> you know? I completely agree. I completely agree that, you know, it's funny that you say that because, um, our health is one of the biggest things that I honestly feel impacts some of the, the behaviors and the things that we see in our community. People don't understand how much stress is linked to aggressive behaviors. Right. So when we, we see uh, um, you know, some of the crimes that take place in our community, these are people who are stressed and hurting because they, you know, for the most part, they don't see a change coming. And um, that's that's something that we are going to have to encourage our people that there are individuals out here that are fighting for the larger community. And if we right. all just come together and, and, and engage in that fight together, we're going to begin to see the changes that are necessary for us to be able to get in that position where we're going to be exhaling. And that's going to be the normal way of life for us. Right. Exactly. Um, well, well, you had something to say, brother? Yes, yes. I just wanted to um to say real quick that 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 we are we are we are getting late, and that we we had the candidate out in the sun all day campaigning, mm -hmm. uh, and she has a, a a a long day tomorrow. We definitely got to do this more. Yes. Um, I don't, you know, I definitely don't see this being a one-time interview. No. Um, Sure. You know, because uh, and, and and thank you so much for bringing us, but but I do have to get her out of here. Oh yeah, and thank you for coming. I was just about to say, you know, we we had a, a good hour, and um, I definitely appreciate you coming through. And yeah, we we have each other's information now, brother Andre too. So yes. you know, because I, I actually, it's funny enough, I actually have some people down in that area, and I want to you know I want to see if we can kind of bring you all together. Yes, please, 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 brother, yeah. please. Let's yeah. let's let's definitely keep, keep this keep this moving forward. Yeah, because one of my people, she's um the powerful healer. She's been doing healing work. You know, we we studied together, and um, she is now she has her um, acupuncture practice, and she focuses uh, especially on women, on black women, but women in general, women's reproductive health, and you know. I know she's making waves down there right now. So I would love to, you know, just for, for y'all to kind of just merge whatever's going on. Like, I feel like 
you all can support each other in your efforts. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. And you know, as I'm, I'm glad you mentioned, um, glad you mentioned that because that's that's where the campaign, that's who's going to bring us into office. Black women, black educated women. It's right. that's who's going to bring her into office, regardless of what. That's who brought the, the the without black educated women, the current administration would not be there now. Right. Um, and you know, this is this is our hope. Anywhere our women go, everyone else is going to follow. That's a fact. That's a fact. You know, so that's that's exactly where the campaign. That's that's who we are reaching out to the most. And not to say that we are ignoring our brothers or anything like that, but we know, you know, it it it, it would be a, a stupid move of us to not tune in on the power that our melanated women have, right? Period. But right. for some reason, right now, the world sees it. The world sees it, and us as uh, us as our men in our community need to need to embrace it a bit more. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yes. Well, um, just in closing, I, I want to say this. First of all, thank you very much for inviting me. It was an honor being here speaking with you tonight. And I, I just want to encourage our people to keep that ball of energy going. You know, um, there's a phrase that says, um, you can't stop a determined people whose time has come. Mm. And I honestly feel like our time has come. We, we've been through centuries of oppression. Um, and that, that's just the reality of what it is. We've always found a way to fight ourselves out of these situations. So I honestly feel like there isn't, there's no reason to believe that we can't do this until the mission is complete. So I just want to encourage everyone to not give up. Don't be discouraged. And we're going to do this because it's our time. And we're going to be able to you know, look down the line and give hope to the generation that follows us. And they'll be able to see that the fruits of our labor was, um, you know, able to, to grant them a quality of life that we all deserve. Right. Well, I want to thank you all for coming on, for spending this time with us on On The Wake Up Radio. Folks, check it out. Um, Sister Shelly Fain, okay. ElectShelly.com. That's S-H-E-L-L-E-Y dot com electshelly.com go over there see what the sister's talking about check out the mahali party m-a-h-a-l-i okay we're taking alabama mississippi and louisiana and setting up a black mecca in the united states seceding from the union and Thank that's plan and, and that's mahaliparty.org mahaliparty.org thank you brother and um de definitely um we would love to talk to you again Absolutely. Sooner than later. Thank mm -hmm. you yes. for coming on. Thanks for spending this time. I know it's late. I know you all have to go. But yeah. but thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Really appreciate it. And we do, you know, we, we also have a morning show that we do in the mornings, um, 7, 7 to 9 a.m., Shelly and I. Wow, okay. Yeah, so, um, we you know, we do got to get up bright and early and show prep and all of that before that. But you guys can check us out on Urban Country Films dot com that's urbancountryfilms.com monday through friday right how many days a week is that five days a week six days seven days it's a lot of days i know that much <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we'll, definitely we'll definitely be checking that out as well thank you so much 
No awesome. problem. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. Good night. Good, Good night. night. Look it up. Flawed individual. Thanks for keeping the lights on, Dian. Cindy Ashley. On the wake up. You, the people, have the power. The power to create happiness. Let us use that power. Let us all unite. Let us fight for a new world. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful. To make this life a wonderful adventure. By the promise of these things, brutes have risen to power. But they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. Now let us fight to fulfill that promise. Let us all unite. OTWTube.com, uncensored free speech platform.